Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hi everyone, welcome to our latest episode of Anthropotamus. Today we are discussing the female brain by Luann Brizendine. If you all listened into our last episode, we talked about her book, The Male Brain. And I just have to point out that that book was only four hours long on Audible, and this one is seven. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I enjoyed the book. Do I agree with everything? Maybe not, but I mean, this isn't my area of specialty. Uh, so I mean, where, where do we start? Well, let me just start by saying it felt very biased um, just first and foremost, very biased. And yes, it was like twice the length of, of the male brain, but I noticed a lot of it was repetition. You know what? Let me look up which book came out first because I kind of got the feeling, I mean, we read the male brain first, but I kind of got the feeling like maybe this book was written first. Um, she has a website. Yeah, she does. And she has a new book out that I was thinking about. We should. Yeah, it's called The Upgrade. Yeah. So the, the male brain came out in 2010. Oh, the female brain came out in 2006. So this came out four years before. So maybe we should have read this one first. Maybe. We came across the male brain while looking for newer books. So that's probably why. Yes. So, I mean, it would make sense maybe the male brain being a spinoff of this one. It, and it would, since we read them backwards, it would seem repetitive to us. Yeah, well, no, I, th that's not what I meant entirely. Um, oh, you mean she kept bringing up the same stuff throughout the book? Yeah, yeah. The the This book as itself <clears throat> repeated itself a lot, which is one of the reasons I... It, it felt like it was forcing itself to be longer than, than it needed to be. But I'm glad to hear that this one came out first. It does change my opinion on what she was doing a little bit, even if it was like she was just patting herself on the back the entire time. I watched the movie with, with Brit, and she uh, she hated it. Like, it was, you know, it, it, she, she was ready to walk out and leave, like, the 10 minutes in. We should probably just mention, so they did make a movie called The Female Brain based on the book. I mean, I thought the movie was like, if I didn't know it was based on a book, I thought ugh, it might have been considered maybe like a cute chick flick. But at the same time, if I hadn't read the book first, I'd probably think that, oh, this is a bias against women because we like to think that, you know, men and women are equal, but we're not. I mean, we're equal, but we we don't think the same. We have different hormones that, you know, impact, you know, the way we process things. Um, so I feel like if I hadn't read the book, my perception of the movie would have been a lot different. But at the same time, I feel like the movie, it didn't even cover a fraction of what she discusses 
in the book. Yeah, no, it, it the movie itself felt like an entirely different piece of media that was unrelated to the books. Yeah, that just threw in pieces of the book here and there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was just, it felt to me like it was pretty much exclusively the concept and maybe a bit of her own life. I don't think that was has anything to do with her life. See, me neither, because I was wondering, she's only ever mentioned one husband in, in the books, in yeah. her books, and in the movie, they were talking about how, well, they they kept hinting that she was divorced, and that was the reason that she couldn't get along with the, the, the guy who she ended up dating. I think they just created a new character and then just threw her last name on the character. Absolutely. The guy was a d- anyways, like, who could get along with that? Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, like, I never, now we're going into a whole different territory with this movie, but <laughs> the guy they paired her up with in the movie was uh, just overconfident, and, a, uh, like... He was a caricature of a, of a man, like, it, that's not how men act. Yeah, I just, yeah, the movie just didn't do the book justice, I didn't think, and some of the relationships in the in the movie were weird, like... The one where the um, the controlling girlfriend, uh-huh. uh, which I mean, I kind of get what they're saying with that, where uh, women pay attention to more detail than men. And then the woman was just like nagging him all the time. And I'll admit, I have a problem with nagging also. Um, and I, I acknowledge that. And I think I've, I've worked on that for several years now with my husband and just trying not to say things that I realize just aren't productive and just keep my mouth shut. But... Um, it was just a weird, care weird characters, and uh, yeah. Well, that that goes back into what we were talking about in the last um in the male brain episode. It felt very allegorical. Like these characters definitely weren't real, but um. Yeah. Yeah. But um. It, yeah, let's go back to the book. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, so where should I start off? Okay, so something I mentioned in the last episode about the male brain is, is there a difference in hormones in women who maybe are like more successful, are more ambitious? Um, because I always felt like I didn't get along with other women until I you know, started going to grad school and started interacting with other women who had careers. Because before that, I mainly hung out with guys because I just didn't feel that, you know, connection with women or I was never really part of a clique like she discusses in the book. But then she mentions in the book that women who have a lot of drive and are very successful have a equal higher, equal high levels of the three hormones. What is it? Um, testosterone estrogen and um shoot what's that third one uh progesterone something like that's yeah similar to that but i can't think that's probably not it (laughs) that's not it but it sounds similar to that but you know what i'm talking about yeah it's a a brain chemical it has that brain chemical yeah so i'm glad she brought that up because i felt like and she talks about women like to be in groups and cliques and like communicate with each other but like i never felt that growing up i never belong never really belonged to a clique and even when I was in a a part of a a small group of girls I was still kind of that 
outcast. I would just go get tired of them and go do my own thing because I was tired of the clickiness. So I don't know. Maybe I have a lot of testosterone. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It seems to me that she put a little bit too much emphasis on some of those and the scenarios that she was introducing felt cherry picked to to confirm her own um, biases. Um, I don't know if I would yes and no because I do remember growing up thinking like why can't I be a part of a group? Because everybody else was, you know, in high school and middle school. That's I just, fair. Yeah, I just never really felt like I like fit in any group. Um That's fair. Yeah. And then even now, like when we have get togethers at our house, like the all the people that show up are just so random. <laughs> like... Oh man, like no kidding. Just going to your parties <laughs> you meet like the the most interesting people. Yeah, it's like I'll have one person covered in <coughs> tattoos and piercings, like a tattoo artist, and then I have like this, you know, uh preppy architect in the other room. <laughs> so uh, yeah, one guy wearing a suit and then the other guy is wearing a t-shirt and jorts. A jorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we. I, I mean, I think for me and my husband, we kind of like interact with so many different people, but we never actually belong to one group. So when we have get-togethers, it's just all these random people at our house. Yeah. See, I, I like a diverse cast in my friends. Like I. I don't really have a specific type of person I, I hang out with, but just being honest, I don't really hang out with very many people. Neither do I. I have very select friends. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Anyways. But I'm glad she did bring that, that the, the change in hormones um, in certain women. And then also, too, where she discusses the difference in hormone in females who are like tomboys. See, that was an interesting part too because that like they didn't discuss that in the movie, they discussed that in the mm -mm. book. But it reminds me of what we talked about last time, uh, the fact that she didn't address anybody who was gender nonconforming mm -hmm. like, at all. And tomboyness was introduced very briefly. I think it was like what two paragraphs. But she kind of just glossed over it. It's like, okay, cool. You've got this tomboy aspect. Let's explore that a little more and talk about what the difference is here because that was interesting. But then she's saying, well, it's pretty much just because they have more testosterone. Let's move on. Yeah. I mean, how much further can you go into depth than that? But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, why? I think she touched on it for like a second, but yeah. It, it felt like a token nod that she put in there to kind of get people off her back or maybe just because she wanted to address something that didn't agree with her specific viewpoint. Mm -hmm. I almost I mean? felt like maybe, um, it's acknowledging an outlier. Yeah. I almost felt like, I mean, maybe discussing women who have different levels of different hormones should have been a, a whole chapter on its own maybe i don't know um because like me i don't i don't feel like i fit into the stereotypical female i've never you know i've never fit in 
with any particular group. So for me, when she discusses a lot of this stuff, I was like, well, that I don't feel like that applies to me. See, and I think you just hit on it right there. The only thing she really discussed was the stereotypical female. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you, you've met Britt. She doesn't fit 90% of the, uh, yeah. the stereotypes that were discussed here. Yeah. But, I mean, like, maybe we are the outliers, you know. That's true. And we aren't her target audience. The one um, in ten, right? Or the, yeah. the one in ten that's a tomboy that she talks about. The yeah. One and then what was that other... Um, the other disorder, the hyper uh, Andrino something rather, I don't know. I thought that was a tomboy. It was that was in the same section as a tomboy, but it was basically like in in utero the the baby had much more testosterone mm -hmm. than a normal female would, mm -hmm. and that causes them to be like hyper aggressive more sexual and all these other traits yeah it's like one in ten thousand or one in, one in a hundred or something rather than one in ten <clears throat> yeah so i don't know it could just be that i'm not her target audience and i mean because like i said i mean like i never fit into other groups of females so i'm just the outlier <laughs> yeah i mean Maybe it's like that for a lot of people. Maybe, because uh, I'll just be honest, almost every person I've ever talked to said that they felt weird or felt different and that they had to try to, to fit in. Like, there are very few people that I've met who didn't have to try to fit in when they were growing up. Uh, I mean, I think everybody feels like that. But for me, as someone who's an outsider and I, I've, you know, I spent my time observing people, it's like... But you're still a part of a group. You're still able to adapt to remain a part of that group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is not something I was ever really able to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I've had trouble like with um, maintaining relationships for my entire life, too. Like, honestly, talking to people, it, you know, it, it always felt kind of like a chore. But at the same so time, with, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's kind of one of those things where uh, they're not reaching out either. Yeah. Like very like if if you're not if it's not a give and take, why am I putting an effort? So I was like, eh, it's sure. not worth it. I'm not going to be the one. Yeah, I feel like well, I'm not putting effort, so why should they? Kind of thing. So I understand, but at the same time, it's like when I do make the effort, it's like, well, I'm making effort now. Why aren't you? I'm not going to keep making effort. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, uh, I, I do agree. I did agree with the whole section when she discusses uh, sex compared to men and women. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, that was probably the only section of the book I felt like I could relate to. <laughs> Um, what do you mean? Like, just you just can't get turned on like right away. It takes Got it's a you. it's a process, <laughs> and uh, uh, and and there's one point where uh, okay, um, but yeah, she discusses she discusses how it takes us longer to just get in the mood like 24 hours and 
which I can definitely say, I just, you know, there's no on switch for women. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, um, at one point, I think she says, like, sometimes it's just easier to go masturbate than just to get in the mood to have sex. <laughs> and I just start laughing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Like, honestly, I'm just as clueless as any other guy. It's like, no, and, you know, it's, I also kind of disagree, though, to a point. yes. We think about sex more often. Yes, so do I. I am a man just like any other. But it's also like there are some times when I'm just not here for it. It's like, you know what? I know that, you, that you've been working up to this, but right now I'm not down. I mean, I think that's understandable, though. I mean, when you have a long day and you're stressed out and you have a lot going on, you don't necessarily want to do that. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? But like I need to go decompress right now. But I mean, definitely, I would say my, through my experience, most of the time, men don't have as much trouble as women do getting in the mood. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It, you know, it, given the right circumstances, it's it's not too difficult. And what was the other thing she mentions? I thought it was interesting how she brought up how when men are stressed. They want sex. When women are stressed, they don't want it. It's like, leave me alone. And I can definitely agree that when I'm stressed out, everybody needs to stay out of my bubble. You see, that's another point of contention for me. When I'm stressed, I'm just not in it. Gosh, I mean... I feel like I have mixed reviews with men when it comes to stress. I feel like I've met men who were stressed and they're like, yeah, let's go do it. And where other men I've met were like, yeah, no. I don't know. Maybe it comes from you know, a a difference in how we're raised or whatever else. But when I'm stressed, I just want to finish up what I'm doing and then just be alone. <laughs> like, nobody talk to me. Just let me exist in my own head for a few minutes or do something to, to just distract and get out of my head. Mm-hmm. But generally for me, that's like a mindless task. Like, I, the other day, um, like, when, when the power went out on New Year's Eve, like, it was, I was stressed out. I'm like, you know, this, like, everything, all my devices are dying, this, that, whatever else. Like, if I, I just wasn't in the mood to talk to anybody. And, and, you know, I'll just be honest, Britt was in the same, you know, same situation. She handled it better than I did. I just grabbed my fishing tackle box and, and a, uh, my new bag and just reorganized everything for the next like five hours. And that was it. Like, you know what? Don't, you know, I don't need conversation. Don't need interaction. Just need to focus on something that takes more, more of my attention than anything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She also brought up how women, they always want it more when they're on vacation because they're more relaxed on vacation, which I didn't agree with because I actually don't get relaxed on vacation. I usually have so much going on that me going on vacation makes me think about how I'm getting behind on everything. So then I end up just being more stressed out by the end of our vacation. Every time Britt and I have gone on vacation, it's like, nope, closed for business. <laughs> Hotels are kind of dirty. I just think about all the things that happened in the hotel room and how they probably didn't wash the comforter or sheets or oh, something. Oh, gosh. I really <laughs> hope they did. 
Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, I, I laugh out loud at that part. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not the case in my marriage. I don't think so. Yeah, no. And then talking about the mommy brain and her hormones like change forever after that and how we just want to focus on our kids. Uh, I mean, honestly, I dealt with a little bit. I'm pretty sure I dealt with a little bit of postpartum depression. Um, I just kind of pushed through it because that's what I do with my feelings. Fair. But uh, yeah, it's definitely affects the way you perceive your partner and changes your priorities. And when your kid is sucking the life out of you all day, uh, it's, you know, that's not what's on your mind when you go to bed. So, yeah, I mean, it's understandable, though. It's like. It, it, it's a like she says it's a process for us to be put in the mood and when we're you know constantly having to give someone our attention all day long and don't have time for ourselves it's like well what do you expect now you want me to give you attention or more attention after i just spent gave the household my intention all day it's like when do i have time for myself mm-hmm. so yeah i can't really speak to that since you know we don't have kids um so the mommy brain, daddy brain thing is not really something that's uh, yeah that I've had first hand experience with, but um, I don't know it. It just I said it in the beginning and I'll say it again. This seems like she is focused on a on a very specific sub mm-hmm. set of ideas, and just in you know in my inexpert opinion. Um, I am not an expert here. It seems like she is painting the picture that she wants to see. That's yeah. and that's the impression that I get. And I think if I hadn't read the male brain first and how she discusses, you know, initially she had been a feminist and she tried giving her boys like, uh, you know, dolls and stuff because she wanted mm-hmm. to be gender neutral and how that didn't work out. I think I would have, if I hadn't heard that first before reading the female brain, then I probably would not have looked at this book the same way. I would probably, if if this was the first book we read, I would have been like, well, this is completely biased. Maybe. But I mean, considering that she wrote that one second, it seems like maybe she learned something after Mm. she published this one and revised some of her opinions. Maybe. Because it was like four years later, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe her new book that she just came out with is deals with some called, of those issues. Maybe it was called Upgrade. The Upgrade, something about um, the woman's brain in midlife. Right. So this book was written over ten years ago. So um, it's quite possible her views have changed since then. Right. Science is always changing. We're always learning new things. So maybe we should just Absolutely. read that book and that. And, I was going to say maybe that can be our next discussion, but I don't want our whole book discussion to be one author. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think we should, we should, gosh, I actually kind of want to complete the set because I think that it gives, I want to have a full, complete picture of how this person is thinking just Mm -hmm. because I do see a lot of, you know, valuable and interesting information like when she brings up these medical studies and there's a lot of the information is like okay so i can see how you came to that conclusion right Mm -hmm. i I can i can understand that i don't necessarily agree with all of it um in fact i i can 
I can say pretty confidently that I'm pretty sure that she inserted a lot of her own opinions in this and there's so many of them mixed in with it so thoroughly that it's hard to tell opinion from from fact sometime mm-hmm. uh, I just I think like a, having the uh, the complete set and just finishing that last book might help paint a picture I, I really want that that picture to be less biased than I'm than what I'm seeing now if that makes sense yeah maybe we maybe we can um i don't know if i have anything else to say about the book yeah um i will say this if you want to read a book that is interesting and and, uh sparks opinions in you this is a good book to read Mm -hmm. you you may agree with it you may not but it'll definitely bring something up her style of writing makes it easy for non-academics to follow, so it's not like you're reading some dry book about hormones. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that her writing style is actually really good. Like I said, she did use a lot of examples that felt very allegorical, and that made it feel like a very natural read. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think it's time to wrap up. Yeah. Before we go, I just want to remind everybody that just around the corner, we have Anthropology Day on February 16th. Keep your eyes open for anything new coming up from the Anthropological Association of America or any of your favorite podcasts. Thanks again for listening to our latest episode of Anthropotamus. If you have your own research that you would like to promote with us, please visit our website at www.anthropotamus.com or visit our site if you have a book recommendation. Till next time, bye. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.